The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. Morning today's show may include adult language. And here are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve Ewald. Welcome everybody to the latest episode of the Church of Roy podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Dewald, joined once again by co-host Brian Wilcox. Brian, how are you doing? Is it is spring in the air in Denver, Colorado? A co-host most of the time, Brian Wilcox. Had to take a week off. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, it's the weather's beautiful. It's nice and sunny, high 70s every day. No complaints here. Um, you know, you listen to the local talk radio, the sky's absolutely falling in ball mm-hmm. arena for the Nuggets, but I'm sure we'll get into some yeah. of the performances for some of these playoff teams here shortly. Yeah, it's been a been an interesting uh, <laughs> postseason, which I think is kind of what we want to kick things off with. I mean, the Blazers are on the sideline here, kind of a new thing in the last decade. Uh, we've the Blazers, even if it's just been a first round exit, has they've been in the playoffs under Damian Lillard. They had a nice run to the Western Conference Finals, but now we're kind of just watching from the outside. And it's weird because the Blazers do have flexibility. So I find myself rooting really for only one team, and that's the Boston Celtics, just because of their coaching staff. Um, you know, heavy Portland ties there. But I find myself, and something we talked about with Adrian last week, is I'm really rooting against just volatility. And that's kind of what I wanted to kick the show off, is some of these teams that could potentially, is there an avenue that the Blazers can do something here? And whether it's adding a primary piece or a third piece, if a big trade does happen, if one of these teams looks to shake things up. And obviously, I think the starting point here is the Brooklyn Nets. You have an a super team experiment that is in its what third, fourth year. Now the first year they didn't play um, last year, they, they played together a little bit. And then this year kind of the same thing with Kyrie not being vaccinated. Um, I think <laughs> this obviously the timeline there is not what they hoped. Um, they were swept by the Celtics. Um and really, you're kind of wondering what this team does going forward. They traded James Harden for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons didn't log a minute in this postseason. Um, is there? Do you see a big change coming for Brooklyn? And if so, is there a player that maybe you'd like to see the Blazers, you know, try to get their hat in the ring for if Brooklyn does look to shake things up? Uh, I don't really see a huge change coming. I think they're still locked in with Durant and Kyrie. I think those guys are stubborn enough that they're going to run it back one more time. Just they'll blame a lot of their performance on the outside noise and, and factors and vaccines like they did in the uh, post game for that last one. Uh, I love Kyrie's comment about, you know, him and Durant are going to manage the franchise along with <laughs> the owner and the general manager to get this yeah. thing on track basically. So 
I think those guys are in. Um, I think they could probably talk themselves to adding Simmons being kind of that third guy that they can kind of get over the hump. So, you know, you look at that roster and there's really not a ton of pieces that I really like for, for Portland, you know, or, you know, I, I do love me some Bruce Brown though, just the way that guy plays. He's a dog, but you know, if you're, if you're the Nets, why do you get rid of him? He doesn't need touches. He's, he has a lot of versatility on defense and uh, yeah. So for me, I kind of enjoy watching them going down in flames, but uh, whether that signals big changes for them, I would say no. Yeah. I, Bruce Brown is the, the guy that comes to mind for me as just being kind of a glue guy, someone who you think mm-hmm. would fit nicely into a Chauncey Billups system um, with just the level of defense he plays, like you said, doesn't require touches. Um I don't really see a big move between Kyrie and Durant either. I do wonder about Steve Nash. I don't think they're going to make a change up top, but you might see them really kind of shake up his bench a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, the guy I'm curious about, he didn't play much this year is Joe Harris as far as coming off ankle surgery, but the, the nets went and added Seth Curry, who is kind of that floor spacer type. Who's a cheaper cost. And you wonder if they would look to part with someone like Joe Harris, who's, you know, fits in that TP, that trade exception range for the Blazers. Um, Proven shooter. I mean, the salary isn't great. His ceiling isn't super high, but, you know, he's an efficient player. He played a much bigger role on a successful Nets team before they went the super team route. So I'm curious if he's someone that maybe becomes available depending on how his medical medicals look after this, this off season. Um, Good old Joe Harris. Chelan boy. (laughs) Chelan. I mean, bring him back to the Northwest baby. (laughs) But um, I, other than that, like the, the pieces that are on that Nets team, like you said, are just really, really awkward. And I just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I was very open to a Ben Simmons trade, you know, for a while I've talked about on this show. Like I, you know, it's something I was interested in. I think I'm kind of out like this. I I think Ben Simmons is what Ben Simmons is. We've seen this behavior be pretty consistent at LSU. Um, There were some questions about his competitiveness there. Um, We've seen him kind of pass on some team Australia opportunities. Uh, Certainly things did not go according to plan in Philadelphia. And now we're seeing that things are not really going great in Brooklyn. Now, if he's actually truly hurt or going through something, you know, I don't mean to be insensitive, but it, it just feels like this is the same thing repeating over and over again. So I think I'm kind of officially out on the idea of Ben Simmons um, yeah. and the Blazers. I'm not even entertaining the idea anymore. Um, you hate to comment because you never know what a guy's going through from the mental health side of things. But the fact is the guy hasn't played, you know, since mm-hmm. last playoffs. Right. And it was an un- uninspiring performance at that. I think by the day his trade value decreases as he remains out. And and it was almost like kind of comical at a point where it was like Ben Simmons targeting game five if Nets hang on. It's like, yeah. you know, well, like what the hell's going on here? Like, you th- yeah. like, is that the, if it's truly a mental health issue, I wouldn't think that an elimination game would be the time to, yeah. you know, make your, make your long awaited debut. But I don't know. It's such a strange situation. I have no idea where that goes. Maybe he can straight, you know, get it, get him himself straight and return back to a, you know, high level defender and high level creator and a poor shooter. And he just kind of moves on with his career. Or maybe he's a guy that's not long for the league. I'm, I'm fascinated to see where it goes, but I definitely don't want him on the, on the squad just because he, yeah. the reliability piece, right? You know, tons of people take a multivitamin, and it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, and probiotics to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It helps to support gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle-friendly, adapting to a wide range of diets. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, or artificial anything. Plus, it costs less than $3 per day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, it's producer Perry here, and I want to talk to you about a new app we've been using here on the Church of Hawaii called ColorCast. ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and totally free to use. You can talk to me, other fans, Brian, Steve, athletes, and insiders all in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. And the best thing is that you can share your own experiences on the app. All you have to do is download the ColorCast app free on the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any group you want. It's that easy. That's the ColorCast app on the iOS App Store. Yeah, I just don't think it's it's the right situation here for the the what his salary is and what his timeline would probably be and, and the pressure it would be on him and the Blazers to, to potentially try to align with the Damian Lillard timeline. I just don't think it works. I, I hope he... He gets an opportunity to maybe see what it looks like next to Kyrie and Durant. I mean, you're talking if he's playing next to Durant, a couple of really long, rangy defenders. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if he can get right. Um, the other team I I kind of want to talk about that that is uh, certainly now that Luke is back, it's not as shocking. But the Utah Jazz are in a fight for their postseason life uh, against a Mavericks team that you know before Luca was kind of this this ragtag group of players that you were surprised were playing at such a high level. Um, mm-hmm. The Jazz remind me so much uh, of kind of where the Blazers were maybe last year. Like, it, it looks like the expiration date is hit with this team. Um, from a coaching staff standpoint, I think Quinn Snyder is a great coach. Um, mm-hmm. Under different circumstances, if Bla- the Blazers were looking for a head coach this offseason, he's someone I would have near the top of my list if he became available. Um, and then you have Donovan Mitchell, who seems like that relationship is deteriorating, certainly with Rudy Gobert, another player. Like I said, it just feels like this team hit his expiration date. Um, you know, maybe it's just maybe this is just what happens when you put us on white side on your roster. But that's a common thread right there. Yep. That guy. Um, what do you make of the jazz situation? Uh, you know, they're fighting to avoid li- elimination against the Mavericks now um, really got smoked. Uh, mm-hmm. would be Monday night. So um, any thoughts, Brian, anybody on that roster? I, we've kind of talked about this before as far as Rudy Gobert goes, but anybody else catch your eye there? Or, yeah, or... yeah, we know we're around Gobert. Just as in general as a team, I'm with you. I think that changes on the horizon. I, I could see the organization trying to kind of patch it up and go for one more run, but it's just kind of got that inevitability to it that feels over. And I think they'll probably do everything they can to hang on to Mitchell and try to rebuild around him. But mm-hmm. I don't know who, I don't see a lot of takers out there for Gobert either. So mm-hmm. looking up and down this roster, I mean, 
I've always liked Rudy Gay, but he's 35. He's not going to really move the needle for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he could, he could probably be had either way if you want him bad enough. Um, Bogdanovich makes too much money for my taste at his age. You know, he's close to 19 million-ish. And so Royce O'Neal I've always liked. Mm-hmm. He's a guy at 9 million. Still only 28. Very undersized for the mm-hmm. four position, though. He's got a little – a little nos little to his game you know it's yep, like do yep. we, we might already have that guy and so he's another one man i kind of look up and down i'm like you know i guess mitchell would be all right i know you trade two lottery picks if we had him for him i wouldn't but uh i don't see it i don't see that happening so mm. another squad where it's just kind of hard to hard to find a good fit yeah i i think you know or at least for, at least for a one-on-one because i'm with you yeah, we want yeah. the chaos just to open up yeah more more player movement but you know, as far as grabbing one of their guys, I really don't see it. Yeah, I, I stick by what I said about Gobert on a previous episode. I, I think the salary is just too much for what he offers. Um, the the postseason production and viability just hasn't been there um, for what this team really wants to do if they want to commit that much money to take the next step. Um, Royce O'Neal, though, is the name that I also come back to where the salary is about right. It's a position of need. Um, he's a two-way player doesn't need a lot of touches to be effective. I think he's a nice player, but yeah, he might be what we already have in Nasir Little, but I think he's ready to produce, and I think he can produce in multiple roles, and I don't think you're going to have to give him a lot of minutes for him to be effective. But and having who knows? You know, a ton of hard-nosed two-way guys is never a bad thing, right? Yeah, so, exactly. You just like, want a whole fleet of those guys on your team. I so. think Chauncey does. I really yeah. think, like, if he was building this team, it'd probably be four Royce, you know, three Royce O'Neal's, one Nurk and one Dave, and we'll just go. I think it'd just be all, it'd be all five Justice Winslows. That's yes. what I think it would be. Absolutely. But maybe a little Greg Brown, who knows? But, um, so let's, let's talk. We, we, those are the teams that have stuck out for me in the postseason. Um, I, I think this. Maybe, maybe one more, one more. Okay. Well, the Sixers would be the other team. I'm kind of wondering. Okay. And if I have they... one more. I have one more. <laughs> oh, you have that. one more so, after that. So the so Sixers we got two are the other more. one. Yep. So the Sixers are the other team I'm kind of watching. They, they are still up in their series against the Raptors, but the Raptors have hung around, especially how they started the series. They've hung around to get a couple wins here. Um, you know, Joel Embiid's health is a little in question right now. Um, and James Harden appeared very aloof in his last game, which would have been game five. That's being polite. (laughs) Yeah, which is (laughs) nothing really new um, that we've seen from from James Harden. Um, But they're another team that is kind of boxed into this corner, especially after pulling a big deal. And now you're looking at having to to give Harden even more money. Um, Where they go from here. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's going to be James Harden or Joel Embiid for Portland, but you know, does a Tobias Harris become available? Is there somebody else on that roster that they can, you know, swing a deal for Um, any thoughts on the Sixers and kind of where they're teetering on the edge here? Because I really think, and this has been the, the discussion is if they go out in this round, it's a complete disaster, but I even think if they go out in the next round, it's still a pretty big failure. Like this team mm-hmm. was made to go to the finals, especially now that the nets are, you know, out of competition. So go ahead. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I've been pretty surprised because Embiid's played pretty well, even though I'm sure he's nursing, he's always nursing something, right. But he continues to produce and look good. Um, you know, and Maxi has been an absolute revelation mm-hmm. at 21 years old, what he's been, what he's been doing all year, but Man, hardened. <laughs> Time hits you fast, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know, he might be a guy, and it hasn't been something that's really been discussed a lot. But you know, he's now 32 years old. I don't think he has a reputation for necessarily taking care of himself off the court. Mm-hmm. And he'd be a guy where his, you know, 30s hit him a little quicker than most. And I think Philly does have some huge decisions to make if they did want to get off Tobias Harris. I've kind of been in and out on that one, depending on the week. Mm-hmm. He gets paid a lot of money, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, he'd, he'd fill a nice role for Portland as a scoring four. Mm-hmm. And so um, his defense obviously leaves something to be desired, which if you're trotting out Dame and Simons, that guy might need to play a lot of defense. So yeah, um, I'd at least be sniffing around him a little bit, I think, if you can make it work with the money and, and players. Yeah. And so, 
Yeah. And obviously when we're throwing these players out, I mean, there's certain mechanics that have to go into making deals like this work. I mean, the Blazers do have tools like that. They have a $20 million TPE, but of course that can be aggregated in a bigger trade, Mm -hmm. but you know, you do have Eric Bledsoe's money technically. Um, Joe Ingles has, you have his bird rights. You have to reach a new deal with him. Yeah. Um, there, there's avenues to put together a big trade that doesn't involve Damian Lillard. Um, and it feels like it'd probably be a three-teamer, right? Oh, I yeah. think I think making one of these work straight up for one of these big salaries is a, it's a lot different scenario than mm-hmm. being part of a three-team. As far as James Harden goes, though, and you, I, like, I think that the other thing, too, is to his game, like you said, he might age real quickly here, but we have to remember what level of usage he had in Houston. Like mm-hmm. when I was covering the team for Rockets wire, I mean, he was going through some stretches where it, it was unreal, his level of production, but I mean, he was working very hard to get there in the regular season. I mean, Mike D'Antoni built his entire offense around him and just kind of said, you know, just turn him loose and you take every shot. Um, and the rest of the offense will figure itself out. Um, the, the thing I worry about with him is and something he's had chronic injury with is his hamstrings and his quads. So mm-hmm. much of his game is predicated on being able to stop very quickly. And we've seen him aggravate those injuries. And that really just takes away so much of what he does and how he gets open. Mm-hmm. And also we've seen the rule changes. I think he's someone who's, I mean, those rule changes were basically built for him. I mean, a little bit for Trey young as well. But not Dame, not Dame at all. <laughs> not gonna say it. <laughs> not gonna say uh, but, <laughs> but uh you know, I, I think it's all taking its toll. So what what's the what's the mystery team that I'm missing here that you want to talk about? So well, we talk I kinda about, wanna, I wanna talk about the series in general because I think the Raptors are a little fascinating too. The mm-hmm. team that's playing Philly, you know, I yeah. the, they've shown that they have I think they need more size on that group in that group. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they're just loaded with a bunch of six seven to six nine guys yeah. a lot of which are really skilled i don't know I don't, I don't i don't see them getting rid of you know og or or scotty barnes obviously you kind of wonder about siakam still mm-hmm. um but they're kind of a team where it's like they might want to hang on and see if barnes and og can continue to pop and just give them this really you know young rangy group mm-hmm. but um you know they, they might have a move to make too and mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of guys on that roster that are really interesting. Um, and then the and then the one oh sorry no no go I, no, I cut, well, I, no as far I as cut, the Raptors, I cut you off sorry <laughs> as far as the Raptors go though it's kind of uh, it's one of those things where I, I think the Sixers are just a really bad matchup for them and you're talking about a size thing I mean you're going Indeed, against a traditional yeah. center and Embiid that is a monster um, I like what what they've built it reminds me kind of like a Heat team Mm -hmm. where it's just a bunch of athletes at those positions i think you can win a title that way or at least certainly win the win your conference um i I think they'll try to run it back i I, like i i know there's been a lot of scuttlebutt about siakam over the last couple years but i i just think he sticks it sticks it out there i mean you had i I couldn't think of a better coach to put a talent like siakam with than nick nurse yeah so I, i think at the end of the day they find a way to make it work but anyway go ahead uh, last one's the Hawks. You know, they, they were they were kind of on the fringe of even making it in after having a really good year last year, kind of making a run. Um, kind of disappointed all year, and and now they're sort of, let's see, they are down 3-1 versus Miami, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't call a surprise, but relative to preseason expectations, I don't think they were anticipating a play-in scenario getting out in the first round. So, um, you know, they have some guys I like too. They have, uh, you know, John Collins has always been a guy I've kind of, I've kind of liked his his stats. Haven't really improved, yeah. maybe like they they thought, but he does some things at the four position I think are really interesting. I've always liked Capella, um, you know. So Herder, just six yeah. seven. <laughs> I like Herder. I do. Yeah. DeAndre Hunter. They just, you know, they have some guys that, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of wonder about the Hawks if they're due for a shakeup too. Yeah, I mean, they have guys with size at positions the Blazers potentially are looking to fill. And I think that's what's interesting with them. I, I think the Hawks kind of made a few of their moves. That I think they need to kind of reevaluate what they have once again. I mean, they moved on from Cam Reddish, who was a, a lottery pick yeah. just a couple of years ago this season. Um, as far as the guys that you mentioned that I think are candidates to trade for trade, it is Clint Capella because 
a Kongwu, the USC big man who's mm-hmm. coming, he'll be in his third year next year, um, has clearly shown that he's like that NBA versatile big man who can, you know, garden space, protect the rim, got a little bit of offense coming along. I mean, that's definitely the part of this game that he's still developing. But I, I think the the pairing of Collins and him together makes a lot more sense than Capella and Collins. Um, they did pay. I mean, Clint Capella got a good contract not too long ago. So it'll be interesting to see what the market is for him, especially at that position. Um, yeah. You know, obviously me and you are in terms of the Blazers are both under the impression that the Blazers are probably going to reach a new deal with Yusuf Nurkic. So I, I, I don't know if the Hawks really do anything for me, but again, it's one of those ones where even if they're not directly involved, if Capella's moving and the Blazers have the flexibility that they have, they could find themselves as a, as a third team in a deal that, you know, involves one of those role players that you mentioned. So mm-hmm. um, definitely, definitely a team to watch that I wasn't really thinking about because they, again, they did make some moves at the deadline. I wonder if they're going to reevaluate their situation with the full off season. Um, uh, one other team that I'm just going to hit on, not that, they really have any moves to make, really, but the Nuggets, man. So, hmm. so I, th- I flip on the old sports radio, drive to work or whatever. It's like people are calling Malone a fraud. Jokic <laughs> has no heart. <laughs> like, Will Barton is – they're treating Will Barton like a superstar, letting him do whatever he wants. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and granted, that's a highly – it's a hot take uh, environment. Most of the yeah. people I've talked to about the team have been a little more measured, but it's just kind of funny when you have – what is it, 50 60 million dollars sitting on your bench in street clothes and yeah it's like guys this wasn't, wasn't the year if you if you know anything about basketball you had no real shot here so yeah this team this team is missing it you know outside of Jokic, two of its best offensive players i mean mm-hmm. Jokic is clearly you know the mvp if not you know 1a 1b mm-hmm. with Embiid. um yeah michael porter jr and jamal murray more importantly is uh, they really make this offense click and go, and that's how this team reaches its true potential. Um, yeah, I think it's too soon. I didn't really know anybody's even paying attention to the Nuggets, even though they're in the playoffs. I mean, you have a you have a very good Avalanche team that's getting ready for the NHL postseason, and then you have uh, you know some quarterback from Seattle that showed yeah, up down there yeah. not too long ago. So, well, literally, they spend more time on like you know Bradley Chubb. And what he's doing at the edge rusher for the Broncos and they do on yeah. Jokic. It's just such yeah. a Broncos town, abs town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, don't let anyone tell you different. I'm yeah, it, it's it's odd. It's kind of it's kind of a bummer because it's you know, you have the yeah. MVP playing. You have, one, you have one of the best players in an entire generation Correct. uh playing right in your backyard. Yeah. Um so let's let's turn our focus strictly to the Blazers now. Um you know, something we didn't really have an opportunity to talk about last week, obviously, and something that, you know, you reached out and wanted to touch on. And I, I do too, as a kind of the dust settles, but obviously, you know, there was a lot of open wounds after the Pelicans made the playoffs. And uh, I, <laughs> I just clicked one of my tabs and the music turned on on my headphones and it scrambled my brain Uh-oh. for a second. So anyway, <laughs> there, there's a little behind the scenes. Um, but anyway, um you know, there was a, there was a lot of open wounds in Portland after the, the Pelicans made the playoffs and really a lot of the fan base really went after Joe Cronin. Um, I'm far from a Joe Cronin apologist. I mean, the, the nicest compliments I've made is, you know, he's not Neil O'Shea, which that's a pretty big deal for me. <laughs> so like, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. That's high praise, but, um, you know, my, the jury's still out. And I think that's still how I feel. Um, so I wanted to give you a chance to, to kind of talk about Joe Cronin um, in relation specifically to, is it time to take the interim tag off or should the Blazers be conducting a GM search right now and look to move in a different direction? Um, early thoughts. And then we'll go through some of the, some of the moves that why I think the way I think on it. Yeah. Well, just at a high level, man, I, to me, the fact that you still have this guy who's been operating the team for when did they can your boy? We'll say, let's see. <laughs> It's been four or five months, right? Yeah, we'll yeah. call it. Right. I think he made it just past the new year. I want to say. Okay, so four months. I don't know. Five. I don't. Know. Yeah, I yeah. Lifetime I ago, man. Yeah, it's been, <laughs> lots happened since then. So, but to me, you know, a lot of those moves, you kind of wonder, you know, what input or um, kind of direction the 
the ownership was telling him to go or mm-hmm. the mysterious Burke Cold was was telling him to <laughs> he shall not be named Burt. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like a lot of these moves I I'm not a huge fan of and we'll get into them, but mm-hmm. I see why they were done. And I still like the gamble on the Pelicans pick. I think we all thought it worked out a little better than it yep. did. It was a good risk to take. But to me, you don't know exactly what he's working with as far as you know organizational directives. And two, just in general, the fact that you've let this guy operate and trade one of the most important franchise players you've had yep. in, you know, in the Dame era, the probably the number two guy after Lamar, you know, since Marcus left, and he's still hanging on to an interim tag is just mind blowing to me. I mean, at what point is there going to be a little more leadership in this organization to just make a call? Is he the guy or is he not? And if he's not the guy, then why is he still there? The season's over. I think it's time to either move on or remove that interim tag and at least, you know, get this franchise pointed in one direction where everyone's aligned and kind of pulling on the same road, but you know who's making moves moving forward. You know, tons of people take a multivitamin, and it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, and probiotics to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients helps to support gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle friendly, adapting to a wide range of diets. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, or artificial anything. Plus, it costs less than $3 per day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, it's producer Perry here, and I want to talk to you about a new app we've been using here on the Church of Hawaii called ColorCast. ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and totally free to use. You can talk to me, other fans, Brian, Steve, athletes, and insiders all in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. And the best thing is that you can share your own experiences on the app. All you have to do is download the ColorCast app free on the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any group you want. It's that easy. That's the ColorCast app on the iOS App Store. I think the this franchise's relationship with Joe Cronin and in the just the post Olshay era in general and some of the moves that have been made, um, I think is the biggest smoking gun that that indicates that this team is probably going to get sold sooner rather than later. Yep. Um, it's something that John Canzano talked about in the last week, um, according to some of his sources, like the timeline for this team to sell, you know, might not involve a new TV deal or might not wait until expansion. Like the, that the Vulcans and Jody Allen specifically might be looking to get off this franchise a little sooner mm-hmm. than we all expected. Um, and again, that comes down to, you know, some of the context clues here, like you said, do you not want to put the full GM tag on Joe Cronin? Because maybe you want to let the new owner pick out, you know, the GM, the president of basketball operations, you know, who fills those roles. You might let the new guy or the new person come in and and pick that spot out. Mm -hmm. But Cronin specifically, again, traded one of the most important players in the last decade love him hate him didn't think he fit should have traded him sooner whether you like it or not cj mccollum was that guy um and then also to norman powell norman powell might not have been that player but but when you're talking about a progression of an asset exchange the the blazers struck gold with gary trent jr in the second round they convert they traded that traded him for norman powell so like that was one of the positive gains you made and then you, you know, kind of throw them into a salary dump type situation with the Clippers. I want to preface our discussion with this is neither me nor Brian were in on any discussions that Joe Cronin was having. We don't know what the other offers were. Um, sure. So, you know, you can't trade for someone that the package doesn't exist. And we're all, I think we're assuming that the directive here was to make some big changes, add some flexibility to this team. Um, so 
real quick, just a very quick recap of some of the Joe Cronin moves. Robert Covington, Norman Powell to the Clippers. You get Eric Bledsoe, Keon Johnson, Justice Winslow, a 2025 second-round pick, and a trade exception uh, that comes in at about $6.5 million. So not great. You get off of, you get you you free up salary is basically what you do. You get, you know, Robert Covington was headed towards free agency. Um, you get off Norman Powell's money that you just gave him. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you get some potential flexibility with Eric Bledsoe and his contract and it moving into an expiring status. Um, the next big move is obviously the CJ McCollum trade, which is what kind of sparked all this discussion. Um, CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., Tony Snell uh, to the Pelicans. Nikhil Alexander-Walker was later traded to the Jazz. Um, Josh Hart, who's the player of consequence here. Mm -hmm. uh, Didi Luzada, Thomas Sadoransky, also another player traded. Um, conditional first-round pick. We didn't get the New Orleans mm -hmm. one, so we're going to potentially get the Bucks pick. And then you're going to get uh, a second round, couple second-round picks. Um, the TPE created in that is $20.8 million. So that's, that's also kind of the big prize here. So if you're looking at the tiers, it's probably Josh Hart, the first round pick, then the trade exception, or you can flip flop the first round yeah. pick and Josh Hart, as you see accordingly. Um, then just, a, you know, a smaller move with the jazz. Um, you get a, you get an extra second round pick. You get the bird rights to Joe Ingles. Um, all this kind of indicates to me is we got to see what happens this off season. We got to see how they navigate the TPE. If they do anything with Eric Bledsoe's expiring money, or do they use that as cap savings and cut him? He's only guaranteed about $4 million. Um, do they do something with, with Joe Ingles? Do they do something with his bird rights? I, I think until we know the answers to those questions, I'm not going to walk Joe Cronin off the plank. Um, Yes, I was very upset with Neil O'Shea and did not like the direction he was taking this team at the end of his career. But if you go back and look at my writing at Rip City Project uh, to my early time at Blazers Edge, I was one of the few people who was wait and see. Let's see if this is going to pan out. I was one of the last people to kind of bail on the signings in 2016 and say, you know, this was a failure. Mm -hmm. um, I gave Neil O'Shea a, a pretty long runway for a while. I'm going to afford Joe Cronin that same opportunity as long as, you know, we're, we're moving forward until he makes, you know, kind of a, a, a big sin in, in my eyes, as far as really squandering something. So um, what, that was a big, long explainer there. Brian thoughts on Joe Cronin after digging a little deeper. No, I, I agree, man. I, I just think you have to put an incomplete on some of these just because of the trade exceptions in particular in the CJ trade, were just such a big part, I think, of what they were trying to do. And so you can't really give them a grade until after the after the offseason minimum for these moves. Um, I will say to this day, still not a huge fan of the Covington foul trade. Yep. But you look around the landscape of teams that would, you know, felt like they're in contention and, and would want to get those guys. I thought they should have been able to get a first-round pick. I know the argument that Keon Johnson was a first-round pick. I'm not really buying it, <laughs> but you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Um, a lot of those teams were either, if you're the Sixers, you're waiting for Harden. If you're, you know, the Clippers, you didn't have any first round picks really. So there, there are some headwinds against finding that trade. And so to me, it's not unforgivable any, by any means, but it's one that kind of sticks my craw a little bit. Mm -hmm. The CJ trade, I still think was pretty good value for CJ. I mean, mm -hmm. He's absolutely played well. He's he's done things that we've all seen him do over the years in Portland. But that contract was so onerous that, like, you weren't going to find too many buyers. So to get Josh Hart out of it, which I could see being, you know, a really good fit in Portland. And, you know, I, I love sports gambling. And yeah. they, they rolled the dice a little bit yeah. on, on that trade. I actually thought it was pretty clever um, the way Cronin was able to weasel his way into what was at one point the most likely – scenario for the Pelicans was probably to just miss the playoffs. Um, I still think it was a good risk. You know, it didn't, didn't pan out from a pick standpoint, but those are the yeah. breaks and you kind of move on. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And, and really at the end of the day, 
I think it's unfair to act like this Bucks pick is going to have zero value. I mean, at the end of the day, it's yeah. still a first round pick. We see good teams throw uh, future first round picks and trades all the time and get big time returns. Now, I'm not saying the Blazers are guaranteed to get that, but they, they could get something if they throw that into a trade or they can hang on to it. And who knows what the Bucks are going to look like in 2025. Um, yeah, I think that's the big thing, too, is that people assume since they have Giannis. I know there was an article on Blazers Edge, which yep. was really good. Adrian. Adrian that was a, our up. boy, our boy, yep. Adrian. So, you know, he highlighted that while Giannis is still firmly in his prime, a lot of his running mates aren't. You know, they're getting into their mid you never know who, how long a person's prime is going to last, but mm-hmm. by age, you would assume that they're kind of on the downhill slide or if not out complete, completely out of their prime. So and that pick might look a lot more attractive. They might have to kind of rework that team and, and maybe we get something out of, out of that. Yeah. So we'll see. All right. So speaking of picks, let's talk about one that we hope becomes very attractive three weeks from now, the day that we are recording yeah. on the draft lottery night is the Blazers own pick. Um, Six best odds to, to the land the top pick. Um, about a 50% chance, a little under that, to, to land a top four pick. Um, I took a look at a player recently that's gotten a lot of buzz for Blazer fans, mainly because he's been the player that's been consistently put in the Blazers slot in a lot of mock drafts. And that shade on Sharp uh, did not play last year, was a Kentucky commit. Um, I got a chance to look at what little I could of his film. I mean, there was some stuff from his EY, EYBL playing that was a lot of those games did make it onto ESPN plus and were available. Um, I, I still just don't know what to make of him. I, I think there is just such a small sample size um, of all the players I've looked at in this range. He has the biggest boom potential, but he also has the biggest bust potential. I mean, me and you very much were, I was already into the draft in a big way in the, in the Martell Webster days there, there's a lot that reminds me there of, you know, Martell Webster. If you read those old scouting reports was, you know, a dynamic shooting guard that was ready to make the leap to the NBA and could be the best player and all, you know, to the point where you're taking him over players that are going to be future hall of famers. Um, which we don't want to talk about (laughs) that's just kind of the way things go sometimes. Um, Shade on Sharp, do you have anything on him that, that you want to ask me about specifically or, or stuff that you've read about him that you like that maybe I could clear up a little bit? Um, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll preface it that way to you. Yeah, so I'm hesitant to really speak passionately about a prospect without having watched some film. Haven't watched any high school tape of this guy since that's about <laughs> all that's out there. So yeah. I am curious to, you know, because I know you were on the ESPN ESPN plus app just uh, grinding away through <laughs> a bunch of high school games. So kudos to you. Uh, well, tell me what's, what's two things you will really like about him and, and can see him, uh, you know, transferring to the league and succeeding. And this is off, just kind of off the top of my head. And then two things you think could be major hangups. Cause just from a little bit of conversation we've had about him offline, you don't seem like you're super high on the guy. <laughs> that is correct but anyway um, <laughs> i was being nice as as far as two things that i think are the most attractive parts of his game that i think will translate um his offensive skill set especially from the perimeter is, is a very modern nba skill set it reminds me very much of i mean he's a little bit bigger than that player which will be my point number two but darius garland's mm-hmm. shot creation coming into the league coming into vanderbilt before he got hurt um is he can do a lot of things from beyond the arc as far as creating separation, very similar to what Anthony Simons does, Darius Garland does. He has a very good feel for that. He has NBA range right now. I mean, when you watch some of his highlights, he is taking like Damian Lillard type three-point shots. Um, He's very smooth. He has probably the smoothest pull-up shot that I've seen of the prospects. I mean, he can take it off the bounce and then he's at a very high release point, you know, a split second later. Um, I, I think the other thing about him is just his size and his athleticism. I mean, he is six, seven, um, maybe six, six. We'll find out more as workouts come out. If he is invited to the combine or does some of that, he, we'll, we'll get a better idea on that if he measures. Um, but six, seven with a seven foot wingspan is what it's rumored at. Um, 
that that's big time. That's, that's someone who can guard multiple positions mm-hmm. can be, you know, a plus at the two guard and could potentially, you know, moonlight as a small forward and certainly in crunch time can play a lot of different positions. As far as what I don't like, I'm just going to stop you right there. So we got a silky smooth shooter with (laughs) Damian Lillard range, not necessarily, but NBA range, who's tall for his position, big Mm -hmm. wingspan, and very athletic. Yep. So So sounds sounds pretty good if you're (laughs) drafting six or seven. So I'm excited to hear the the drawbacks here. Let me tell you about the other side of the thing. The, The coin here is his ascension to where he's at was so rapid you're talking about a player that was you know a three-star recruit four-star recruit um did not was not known for the level of competition he played in canada and then later in arizona um he had a really good run at the eybl in 2021 and just skyrocketed to being a top recruit i mean he finished in 24 sevens recruiting ranking as the number three player in that class only behind Chet Holmgren and Paula Bonchero are two guys that are, you know, going to be a top three picks. So, you know, that's encouraging, but how fast he got there worries me because I, there's just so little of a sample size out there that I wonder what it's going to be like. And when you watch his tape, some of what he does, it's AAU basketball. It's, I mean, yes, it's a very high level and high level athletes, but you like his off ball stuff, like I don't put any stock into it because he's going against teams that are clearly not paying attention to him. Like his backdoor cuts. I mean, he has, you know, 10 feet of space on a lot of those. He's, he's coming off screens and pick and rolls where nobody's stepping up on him. And and I mean, he has wide open three point opportunities. Um, I think the level of pressure that he's going to experience in the NBA is going to be so drastically different than what he's encountered so far that I think there is a very steep learning curve here that, you know, you never know how players are going to react to that. And also too, it's just experience and defense Mm -hmm. and what can he do off ball and what are his instincts like that on that? Because, you know, not only was he benefiting from that on the offensive end, but on the defensive end, I mean, his team was playing a very similar defensive style. It wasn't like he was totally locked in uh, on off ball defense. So, that's the type of stuff that could really slow down development. So that, that's that's my shade on sharp bit right so, there. So essentially, I think it really boils down to level of competition mm. and small sample size, and that what he what he showed at that level, you're not sure is sustainable against a higher level of competition. If you were to boil that down, so yeah. I think that's fair. One thing too with him shooting up draft boards that I always think about is like when you look what's if you were just to compare him with Holmgren. So you saw Holmgren, by and large, play really well in in the NCAA tournament. But he had some kind of rough moments, right? Mm-hmm. And when guys are in the lottery, I think there's a lot less of what people can do, and then there's some focus <laughs> to what – you start putting flaws in their, in their yeah. game, right? Like you talk about Holmgren a lot differently than you do David Roddy from Colorado State yeah. going yeah. to – yeah. you know, it's all about what Roddy can't do, not – as much as what he can. So with Sharp, you don't have the opportunity to really poke holes in his game and, and highlight those weaknesses like he can some of the other top prospects. So I think it's kind of a fair point that, you know, you have to pull a lot from that small sample size. Yeah. And, yeah. and it seems like it's a reasonable take. So And that's and that's really like, and I said it in my, in my profile too, is like I'm really hesitant to put any stock in his strengths and his weaknesses because yeah. there, there's just not enough there. And when you talk about like Chet Holmgren, why I feel so much more comfortable with him is I think the learning curve for his position at that age is a lot higher. And the stuff that Chet Holmgren avoids is impressive. It's stuff that, you know, young big guys typically struggle with. And that is one being an elite, elite shot blocker and not getting into foul trouble. That's what makes Chet Holmgren special for me is he is such a smart player. Yes. He's skinny. Like that's the negative. Like if you talk to like 90% of the people you talk about that are worried about Chet Holmgren, it comes down to his frame. And like, if that's it, I'm allowed to, to have my, my, uh, <laughs> my concerns about Shaden Sharp's level of competition he's faced. Now that being said, totally. I would not be shocked at all if Shaden Sharp is 
absolutely amazing at the NBA. Like he could be the next Tracy McGrady, but who knows? Like they, you're talking about such a big swing here and really are the Blazers in position to do that. I mean, I think if you take shade on sharp, you're basically saying that pick and what you tanked for, you know, is not to advance Damian Lillard's career here in Portland, because I think you're three years out. I mean, you were, you were just seeing Anthony Simons be lined up for a season where he is going to be a day one starter. If he, you know, obviously we think he's going to resign with Portland. Mm -hmm. Um, It took a while to get there. I mean, he was drafted in 2018. So you're, you're talking about a similar timeline with shade on sharp um, if not longer. So I I'm very curious to see where he lands. There's other guys in that range. I like, and the thing I've really come to realize about this draft class, which we'll talk about a lot more is there's a lot of players like seven through 12 that I really like that I think are going to be good quality players. And I just did not expect to find that level of depth in this draft until I looked at it, but don't get me wrong. The top three, top four players in this draft are excellent. And people who would take Jaden Ivy over shade on sharp. I, I don't get like, I, I think Ivy is just as dynamic and, and more proven than, than Shade and Sharp. Oh, and you're, I just you're saying, I don't you're saying people, people that would take Sharp over Ivy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Sorry, yeah. Oh, I flip-flopped no. that, yeah. Yeah, I know you're good, the, you're good. No, there's some people that are, I, I'm seeing it now, and like you just, even in the last month, you're starting to see Sharp ahead of Ivy in some mock drafts, and I just don't get it at all. So anyway, a lot. I, I think Shade and Sharp is one of the players to watch especially as these pre-work pre-draft workouts kind of roll out and we'll see if Portland's one of the teams that, you know, brings them into Portland, which I, I assume they're going to, no matter where they're picking. Well, I really enjoyed that deep dive on especially <laughs> since I haven't really had a chance to do that. And so now yeah. I'm already tainted going into him. So thank yeah. you for that. But he is a name to, he is a name to watch because, you know, you see a lot of, to your point, you see a lot of mock drafts where he's been connected to Portland right in that six range or whatever. So I think he was a good guy I, to kind of go into I, I just think like so much of, of what he does and when I'm watching highlights, it just takes me back to, to 2009, 2010, where I'm watching NBA draft.net highlights of, of Luke Babbitt and he looks like Larry Bird. Oh, so like, <laughs> so like, it's just so, it's so hard to, uh, to, uh, uh, to make that comparison. Also, if you want to look at the Luke Babbitt NBA draft.net profile, I did confirm before the show, it is still up. It was actually written oh, by yeah. Jonathan Wasserman, who is at Bleacher Report now. Um, but there is a high, the highly, highly high, respected guy. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the best. Everyone drafts. misses sometimes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, his comparison, I believe was like Chris Mullen didn't quite live up to the Chris Mullen billing, but, um, there is a, uh, there is an excellent, uh, highlight video on there with some excellent 2010, uh, highlight music. So I, I recommend going and checking it out at NBA draft.net and, and looking up Luke Babbitt. So if you're looking for a little nostalgia, so anyway, nope. that's all I got nope. this week. Well, go ahead. I'm just going to say, I know what I'm doing after this. So Luke Babbitt, it yep. is time, yep. time machine. And then, you know, if you want to do like the full circle of Steve D like highlight videos from that era, you can watch that. And then you can also watch Ted Ginn jr. Uh, kick returns from Ohio state. <laughs> I used to watch that highlight video a whole bunch. So um, there you go. Those are the two. Those, if you want some homework assignment for the church of Roy, those are the two things you can watch. So um that's all I got this week. Brian, anything before we get out of here? No, I'm good. Missed talking to you last week. Yeah. And uh, three weeks till the lottery. Three weeks till the lottery. I think we're going to start kind of breaking down um, what our draft boards look like. I think we'll have, I'll have Paulo Bonchero and Chet Holmgren's profiles up uh, by the next time we record. So we'll, we'll have basically the lottery picks kind of covered. So uh, we'll go from there. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And while you're at it, go follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod. We'll see you next week. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.